Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. All right, guys, we're going to get started. Before we start, I need to make a retraction of something that I said. No big deal. It's just I, I, I want to make sure that I'm representing the Father properly. That's all. So when I said God took all the ministry away from me, okay? He didn't take the ministry away from me. What it was is we had grace and it ruined us and we couldn't find another church. But he did use that time for me and him to get intimate, which I was so busy doing the works of the ministry, I never really took the time to get the healing that I needed. I I, I want to make sure I'm leaving the right impression with everybody. Okay, and I'm sure if you've been out there, like we're spoiled with Grace Church. Like I've been to two other churches since we moved to Florida and we couldn't find any church. One only lasted going two times. The other one was a whole year to the point we finally couldn't take it anymore. We just weren't in agreement, you know, and me and my wife were talking uh, Thursday and we just had a me and her day and we started talking about what we see lacking in the church is intimacy. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Amen. But let's define intimacy before we even go any further trying to understand what that means to us in our own personal lives. By the way, you can have a relationship with God and not be intimate. But here's also the good news. Your intimacy can continue to grow and grow and grow and it never ends. So wherever you're at right now, that's just fine. You got something to look forward to. Amen. Good morning, Sal. All right. The word for intimacy in Hebrew is sowed. It means inner secret counsel. Inner secret counsel. Now, if you break down the Hebrew letters, the Semek is a picture of a pillar, which means to uphold and support. Vav joins two things together. And what does it join you together to? The door to the pathway of life. So intimacy is him upholding and supporting you and joining you to the door of the pathway of life. I mean, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. That never ends. It's a never ending life. And it's not a life that's of this world. It's something that isn't of that world so that when people see that we have it. I love Rick Manis. He said something really awesome. Long before we ever preach the gospel, the people already see it in us. Because there's just something about the gospel and what it does to us that radiates the good news without us even even having to say anything about it. Amen. And so anyways, uh, the first scripture we're going to look at is in Proverbs 332. Now listen to this. For the perverse are an abomination to the Lord, but his intimacy or his secret place is with the righteous. And by the way, this is the same word, sowed. Secret place, intimacy, it's all in the same thing. Wow, the secret place where we have intimacy with him. But guess what? You can't have it unless you're righteous. See, the world has a dispensation of grace. God's not holding their sin against them. But we have a covenant of grace and we have been made righteous. We need to be thankful all the time that we're righteous because see, what we could never do, which was become righteous by any of our works, Jesus made us righteous by his work. He who knew no sin became sin, us. This is all in nouns so that we could become the righteousness of God. Let us never think that righteousness is just something, oh yeah, I'm righteous, we're, for, we're missing it. It's like, 
It's the most amazing thing that he made us righteous. Now, how righteous did he make us? Listen to this. The Hebrew word for righteousness is sedek, and it means to be cleansed in a forensic sense. To be cleansed in a forensic sense. That means that under any courtroom, in front of any judge and any jury, all they can see is that we're innocent. And he cleansed us so much that his spirit now lives inside of us. Just, I don't care how bad things get. I don't care how bad you mess up. Always remember, you are cleansed in a forensic sense. And you're so cleansed beyond our comprehension that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can actually live and abide in you forever. That's one of the things that changed my life with grace was I was righteous. Because I tried so hard with all my self-effort to do good enough to be that. And I was always at a distance from God because I never felt like I could get intimate because I still had all these things in my life. Amen? Okay, so Psalms 91.1. He who dwells in the secret place, intimacy, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of of the Almighty. Now, when David was writing this, he was, there was a time where it was just the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of Moses was like seven miles away in a total different direction. And it had all the furniture except the Ark of the Covenant, but the Ark of the Covenant was in this little covering and David would sleep right under the Ark of the Covenant. And the shadow of the wings was from the Shekinah glory that shined down on it and the shadow from the wings of the cherubim that were there. Listen, the secret place of the Most High, listen, there's a place when you go to talk to your father that he wraps his wings around you so nobody else, not even the enemy, knows your conversation with him. And you're in a place of a no-judgment zone where you can bring all of your hurt and pain. And guess what? He's like a good pediatrician. Tell me, my child, where does it hurt? And guess what? And he'll heal that wound. A lot of us are doing things and have behaviors based on the wounds that we've been carrying ever since we were children from the traumatic events that we experienced. I know people that have been in church their whole life. We're going to talk about this a little later, but I know people have been in church their whole life and have never gotten healed. Part of it is because it's the wrong message, and the other part is because they can't get vulnerable because they hide that part from God. Not that God doesn't even already know it, but they still hide it from them. So you expose it, it can get healed. If you hide it, it can't. And I know this firsthand. So here's the cool thing. I want to show you a picture here. It says, under the shadow of the Almighty. That's, that's Shaddai, right? The root word Shaddai is shed, which is a picture of breast. Listen to what it means. His breast means that his love embraces you. His love embraces you. He's holding you close to his, himself. See, what did the prodigal son do when the father ran to him? And it says he fell upon him. He hugged him. And then he repeatedly kissed him over and over and over. Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against God and man. Make me one of your hired servants. That's most people's response when God wants to get intimate. Pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? And we're always like, yeah, the prodigal son, he didn't get it. Guess what? A lot of us, we have some of that prodigal son still there that we're in a process of getting to a place where we can really just be vulnerable. And it's not, it, it, listen, it, it's not something that you can manufacture on your own. It's going to take him to do something first in your life that will even give you the ability to be vulnerable in that area. Because remember, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. He gives you good you don't deserve so it can open you up to receive so that you can get the healing that you need.
Amen. So then we, got, we go in again and Romans 8, 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. This is an Old Testament mentality of who God the Father was. More likely, I could even almost say this is Jews that he's talking to because they had a covenant with God when Gentiles never had a covenant with God, but the Jews had a covenant with God. But we're not going to debate that today because that's not really the importance here. A fear. Be afraid. Do you know most people can't see God as a father because their father abused them in some way or abandoned them in some way and they carry that in. And we do that. We take our human relationships and we bring that into how God is. And it couldn't be anything further than the truth. Couldn't be anything further. So listen to this. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption or sonship, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Wow. I love how they left the original Aramaic by using Abba. It's the most intimate word a child can use to their father. And then, not only that, they put the word father after it. It's like saying it twice. I'm this and I'm this. And it says cry out. Listen to this word, cry out. Credzo, to call aloud like you're in pain or you're in suffering, to cry aloud, Abba, Father. Think about if you had a nightmare and you were a little child and all of a sudden you wake up and the first thing you do is if you had that kind of relationship, Mom, Dad, this is the same type of crying out that it's talking about here for us today. But what do we try to do a lot of times? What we do is what I call the covering method. This is our pain. And what we do is we suppress it and pretend like it's not there and move on. And then we get really busy to try to drown out that pain. Here's what's really awesome. During Paul's day, they had this thing. It's called the Greco-Roman adoption. Has anybody ever heard of that before? Let me share about a little bit of this. So what they would do is they would take an orphan right? Because really, a lot of times, like, I can even say in my own life, even though I was saved, I felt like I was an orphan because I never really understood who he was because nobody ever really showed me a real picture of what he was like. All I know is you need to be obedient. That's the worst doctrine you could give anybody because they'll spend their whole life trying to be obedient, but they'll never get close to the Father. And so anyways, um, so I'm speaking from my own experience, and I still have things in my life. There's still areas of my life that are so painful, I don't want to look at them. But I know this from the things that I have gotten delivered from is when you get healed, you live a better quality of life than you ever would have if you never did that. So the Roman Greco adoption, what they would do is, now how, how many know, regardless of what the truth is, when there's an orphan, they think there's something wrong with me. Why did they leave me? Their children always think it's their fault. I've talked to psychologists. I've talked to people that have degrees, and, and this is all what they say. And, it's, and, it, and it really is true. If the parents get divorced, they think it's something that they did to cause the father to leave or the mother to leave or whatever the situation was. So you know what they did in this Roman Greco adoption process is they took the child that was an orphan, and then they brought up the father and mother in front of. How many know there's something that happens when you're loved and accepted and everybody else sees it? Because now all the people that they felt thought they were worthless can see they have value because somebody actually wants them. He wants you. 
He wants all of you. He'll take the good, the bad, and the ugly. He takes it all. Listen, watch Jesus walking the earth, and, he, and Jesus said, have you seen me? You've seen the Father. And guess what? The worst case scenarios came to him. Jesus was like, oh man, I can't deal with that, bro. Don't you know I'm holy? He never said that. What did he say? Spread out your hand, be made whole. What did he say to the leper that came to him as he, as, as he was leading, uh, leaving uh, the multitudes and the leper came to him? He's touched him first and said, be cleansed. He said, if you're willing, Lord, you can make. He still didn't. He, he knew he could do it, but he didn't think he would do it for him because the guy didn't think he was worth anything. And what does Jesus do? He reaches out his hand, touches him first, which he hasn't been touched in how many years we don't know. It says, be cleansed. So cry, Abba, Father. You know, there is a book by Brennan Manning, and it's called Abba's Child. I don't know if you've ever heard of Brennan Manning. The only thing I don't agree with him is that he's, he still considers us sinners. Okay, I don't agree with that, but everything else that he talks about in this book, it is, it's, it's like it was hard for me to read it the first time just because it was so overwhelming. And what happened is all those wounds started to come up, and I wanted to shut them back down. And we, and we all have our ways of doing that. It's painful. I mean, we, we don't really want to remember these things. We want to be done with them, but they need to be healed. They need to be healed. Um, so the biggest hindrance of intimacy with God is guilt. By the way, everybody in this room is probably harboring some form of guilt, including myself, for something. And guess what the truth is? You might not even know it because you might be so accustomed to it because you've had it for so long. You just think, oh, well, that, it's not there anymore. But the Lord, he knows how to allow it to come up. There's a proverb, and it talks about uh, when uh, the, you put the, the dross and in, in, uh, the silver into the refiner's you know, uh, pot, and it will heat it up, and the dross will come to the top. That dross is those things, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to allow the heat to bring it up so it can be swiped away, and all that remains is the pure silver. That's a picture of our redemption and who we really are in Christ. So listen to this. The word for guilt is the Hebrew word ashim. Esh means fire. Mim means chaos. So the letters to describe a picture that we can understand is that guilt is a fire that's burning of chaos in your life. And it goes right along with the actual definition, which is to punish oneself or to self-destruct. So you can ask my wife, um, something would come up and I would literally take my fist and keep, start punching myself in the head until I was totally exhausted. See, I'm trying to make myself pay for the wrong that I did. And I've gotten, it's gotten better, I've gotten healing, I'm not there yet. See, the only way you're ever gonna help somebody is if you're vulnerable. If you can't share your own stuff, how's anybody gonna identify with you? Matter of fact, the more you start exposing your pain to other people, the more healing that you'll start to get. That's why it says confess your sins. The word's not really sins, uh, hamatera or hamateno. It's another Greek word, which means your sidesteps, just where you slipped and missed it, where you slipped and missed it, where you slipped and missed it. And confess those to one another. Why? So what's in the dark can be brought into the light and it can be healed. If you have a wound on your arm and you cover it all the time, it'll never be healed. Even if the top closes up underneath, they're still there. Ashim, guilt, you know, uh, 
If anybody knows anything about guilt, I know a little something about guilt. I can, I can talk on this matter. And I will tell you this much. When you understand that Jesus was the sin offering, out of all the offerings, the sin offering took care of guilt. And how did it do that? Listen to this. 2,000 years ago, the person who did those things, right, was crucified, died, buried, and in God's reality, his truth, this person and those things do not exist anymore. Because remember, 2,000 years ago, all your sins were laid upon Christ. Did you not know this? Because if you didn't know this, I want to tell you, you were put in Christ then. God reckoned you and Christ together as one as he hung crucified. As he died and gave his last breath, that was you. As he was buried, that was you. But the only difference is, is that he only rose the new creation in Christ. That person stayed died and buried. And sat at the right hand of the Father. And we were seated together with him in heavenly places. So here, let me tell you, the person that did that last week, last month, last year, 20 years ago, that person in God's reality has been crucified, died, and buried, and does not exist. And what they did doesn't exist anymore either. That's the good news. That's the good news. Listen, if there's somebody that is in your life and they keep bringing up the stuff to guard your heart and protect yourself, you can cut communication off with that person for a time while you get your healing. That's okay. Don't let somebody else think you got to be... See, I had to learn this about grace. I don't have to be the nice guy. I don't. I don't have to be the nice guy. I can guard and protect myself because that's what's best for me before, even before what comes for them. And that's okay that you do that for a season. Not that you totally disown the person, but you're guarding your heart so that they can't speak that into your life anymore so you can get your healing. But once you get the healing, no matter how they try to bring it up, it won't have any effect on you. By the way, what they're really wanting from you is to pay for what you did wrong. There's nothing you can do to pay for the wrong you did. Only Jesus could pay for it. So you're wasting your time anyways. Amen? Why do you think, you know, we had this whole thing. We did this teaching with the girls in the Bible study. And, uh, you know, God doesn't see our sin anymore. Well, Hebrews 10, 17 says, I'll remember your sins and your iniquities. He didn't just say sins. He said iniquities. By the way, if you haven't listened to that teaching about iniquity, that's where it all starts with the eyes. What the eye sees, it hooks to and multiplies. Then there's sin. Then there's transgression. Right? But he says, I remember him no more. Why does he say that? Because he wants you to know there's a no judgment zone for, that you can step into, into a secret place where he wraps his arms around you and brings, him, brings you close to his chest, okay? That his love just pours in and starts healing those wounds. And nobody in this entire world, seen or unseen, know what's going on because it's a secret place of intimacy. Do you know David? How many like King David? King David... A man's man. I mean, this guy, I mean, he was gentle, but like he would go out and fight in battle. I mean, like any guy that looks at David, they're like, he, I mean, besides Jesus, of course, he's first and foremost. But like in the Old Testament, it's just like David was the man. If you read through the book of Psalms, David is so intimate with God. I mean, there's so much intimacy there, but he had one area of his life that he never shared with God, and that was his sex life. And right here in 2 Samuel 12, 8, it says, I gave you everything. God's speaking to him. I gave you everything, the kingdom, wives. If you wanted more, you would have asked me, I would have given it to you. Why did you take what didn't belong to you? And that was under the law. 
That wasn't grace. That was under the law. But the heart of God, if he would have asked me, by the way, just so you know, asking is grace. Because you're going to someone that's greater than you that you know you can't do for yourself, but they can do for you. That's grace. You should be asking all the time. That should be a regular part of our life. And you're like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, being... No, you're not. You need to get what you need so you can get healed so that you can go out and you can be, have that anointing of a healer and go out and heal other people. So that one area David didn't talk to God about. Nowhere, nowhere in the scriptures. You don't see it anywhere. I haven't found it. If you found it, let me know. Yeah. Guilt and shame, hand in hand. They're, they're, they're brother and sister. What we can do, though, is ask for his help to do what we can't do on our own. Even to go and bring it to him because it's hurt so much. But it's like, you know, you ever gone to the doctor and, you, and he prescribes some medication and you start taking the medication and you start feeling better? And you're like, oh, it was worth going to the doctor. Well, guess what? When you understand that when you go to him, in Hebrews it says it's a new and living way. In other words, every time you come and just cry out to Abba Father, you're receiving life. You're receiving life, and that life is healing that wound. And it might not happen overnight. One day you'll wake up and it's like, this doesn't have control over my life anymore. Amen? Amen. I, I got to be very unspecific just because if somebody, this person ever heard this teaching, I wouldn't want to hurt their feelings. So, and I'm going to call him a person. I'm not even going to say the gender. But there was a person that uh, me and my wife had experienced in ministry. 65 years old. And they were an orphan and was still the same as they were before. And they never, as far as I know, they never got the healing that they needed. And they always try to show how spiritually, like, strong they were. You know, I don't know if you grew up in this time, but like in the two, early 2000s, we used to call mighty men of God, mighty women of God. No, you know what I'm saying? Like we just revered these people and, and they had a name and they had a ministry and we're like, oh my God, that's what I want to be like. That's rubbish. We're, we're all, we're all the same. We're not mighty men and mighty women of God. We are sons and daughters of our father who is in heaven. And we are deeply loved with a love that is beyond comprehension. And that can only be experienced. It can't be explained. So anyways, uh, we went through the process with this individual. And they would have to fight for everything. They had to fight for position in ministry. They'd have to fight to get respect. They always have to fight to get something. And all it was was that orphan that never got healed, that tried to find all kinds of things to fill up that void so that they could be something that they already are, but they never knew because nobody ever told them. And if, you, and if you've heard my teaching on forgiveness, this person definitely had a, a role in it, and we won't go into any of that. So anyways, when I got grace, so oh, here, let me give you this first, okay, and I'm closing. When I came into Christianity... I had experienced a whole bunch of grace. I had experience of the grace of God, but then I got into church and the doctrine that they had wasn't the grace of God. So what I experienced and what they were telling me were two different things. But I thought because they're behind a pulpit or they got a position that they were right. Listen, just because somebody's got something, that doesn't mean they got it all right. Are you hearing me? And so basically I got under this teaching is basically, uh, you know, obedience was the key. Like if you were obedient, then you were righteous, then you were blessed, and you were all these things that Jesus paid for for us to have. But that's what I came under. And my heart was sincere. I mean, I wanted to honor God. 
I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I know when I look at people like that because I've been through that, these people are sincere. They might not like what I have to say, but they're still, they're still sincere. When, them fighting for it, they think that's what they're supposed to do. Do you know, Jesus had something to say about that. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus reckoned himself and the church to be one because he weren't, they weren't persecuting Jesus himself. They were persecuting his church. That's how close we are. And there's nothing better of an example for us to get along, for the world to see. This is how they'll know you're my disciples, the love that you have for one another. But if you're wounded and beat up and trying to do all this stuff and get this and get this and put a front on and all this stuff, guess what? Because I did. I was the master at it. Dude, I looked so good on paper. But all it took was a little spark of that paper. It was gone. And there I was still all jacked up. Woo, I love it. So anyways... When I started to get grace, so I went through that for about seven years. Thank God, there's people been in it their whole life. You know, I mean, I thank God that it was only, you know, seven years for me. But it still, it still, it took some changing, like when I got grace, like uh, the way I thought, was thinking had to be changed because I thought a totally wrong way. And so what ended up happening was, is that uh, I understood Jesus. Man, he died for me. He's the man. He loves me so much. He gave up his life for me. But because of the wounds that my father gave me, I wasn't able to see God the Father and the true light of who he is. So I was missing. Here, by the way, father in Hebrew means the sacrifice and the strength of the house. The sacrifice and the strength of the house. That means he's always sacrificing for us and he's strong so he protects us. There's something about running into the Father's arms that you can't get from the other two part of the Trinity. They're all connected and they're an expression in their own ways, but there's something about the Father. So we know in the last 500 years, okay, if you go back and you, and you study revivals, we know there's been a move of the Spirit. We know that there's the move of Jesus that's happening now. People are coming back to understanding the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now it's time for the Father to be unveiled because when the Father becomes unveiled, we really know our identity and who we are because we're our fathers, sons, and daughters. Do you know um, fa the Father in the house? Like if you study the Jewish family and how it works, the Father in the house basically helps fortify the feminine and the daughter and the masculine and the son. Why do you think we have a lot of confusion going on in our, in, in our world right now? It's because they don't know who their daddy is. I'm not going to say anything more on that topic. But are you hearing me? So important. The father. Abba father. Man. The most intimate thing that you can call him. Listen. Jesus came to reveal one name. All the names of God are great. I study all the names of God in Hebrew. I, I, they're, they're great. We even talked about one right up here. You know, uh, Shaddai. You know what I mean? But... He came to reveal one name, Abba. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Why? Because you got to remember, the Jews had a covenant long before we ever did. And God had to fulfill what he promised to Abraham before he did for us. Remember when Jesus walked the earth, he said, hey, listen, I've come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But then the woman, oh, but even the, even the puppies get to eat the, you know, eat the crumbs. He's like, wow, that's awesome. Go ahead, have what you want. You know what I mean? And so anyways, so uh, I believe God brings people into our lives. 
and he brought one into my life. So if you don't know who my mentor is, it, his name's Archbishop Bruce Taylor. And um, he is a therapist for vets with PSTD. The greatest healer that I've ever met, and I've been all through the charismatic circle, the greatest healer that I've ever met. And so if you sort of look at him, he's just like a jolly old fella. You know what I mean? It's just so, he just warmth permeates off of him. There's not a judgmental bone in his body, right? And so uh, when the ministry shut in the sense of there was no grace ministries to go be a part of, so we went ahead and, and left church. And I always said, I'll never leave church. Yeah, I left church for almost five years. Why? Because I couldn't find a church that believed the same way we do until we found Grace you know, Church, Orlando. Um, and so anyways, for two years, I met with him for about four hours once a week. And we went through all this stuff. And what God was doing is he was showing me a picture of, hey, this is how I'm like. You think this is awesome? I'm even better. But that healed me from all the damage my father did. You know, I was a drug addict and uh, my father had kicked me out of the house as a teenager and I had nowhere to sleep and it was cold. Even in the winter in South Florida, it was still cold at night. You know what I mean? And uh, I, had, I had gone to my room, the window, and I had pulled my blanket out off the bed and I went around the back of the house to sleep. He wakes me up, throwing me around, ripped the blanket out of my hands and told me to get off his property. See, I was crying out to needing to be loved because I didn't think I was worth anything. But I don't hold that against my father because he wasn't even born again. And what he didn't have himself, how could he give me? But what Bruce did was he was used by God to transition me from him to him. And now I can truly say, Abba, Father. And I get it. I understand it. There's an experience with it. Listen, what you know is one thing, but when you experience it, it becomes a truth that you live out of. And he walked me through all this therapy and everything. I mean, and he brought me to a place that now I could have not just the Holy Spirit, not just Jesus, but I could have the Father. And have a relationship with him. And I'm not going to go and try to explain all the Trinity and all that. Listen, God will show you that for yourself and you'll understand it on your own. But I'm just sharing my experience with you and how important it is that we get the healing that we need so that we can have intimacy with him. And in those, listen, the law says change your behavior. Grace says, let me love on you and that behavior will just naturally organically change. And that's, that's it. The, the new and living way. The more you come and the Father loves on you, the more the wounds get healed, the more you leave different than the way that you came in. And before you know it, you're who you really were the whole time. You just didn't know it. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. You are so good. And I pray for each one of us in this room, in this church, those that are going to listen on podcast, I pray right now that you would give us the ability to bring our hurt and our pain 
to you because we can't even do that on our own. We need your grace to be able to do that and expose it to you and be able to trust you so that you can heal those things that are holding us back. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.